Welcome in to the New Orleans Saints podcast, hosted by Aaron Summers and John DeShazer. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers who cover the team on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your hosts, Aaron Summers and John DeShazer. Welcome to the New Orleans Saints podcast. I'm Aaron Summers. This week is all about the HBCU Legacy Bowl right here in New Orleans. It is this Saturday, 3 o'clock at Yulman Stadium. The game is a postseason all-star game showcasing the best NFL draft eligible football players from historically black colleges and universities. The week kicked off Monday, actually, at the HBCU Combine, which was at the Saints facility. Practices have been held at Yulman Stadium Tuesday through Friday. There's also a career fair where the HBC students have had the opportunity or will have the opportunity to connect with some of the nation's top employers. There's live presentations, keynote speakers, panels. Last year, nearly 1,500 HBCU students from 49 different schools attended, networking with over 100 different companies. Participating employers are people like the NFL, Saints, Vikings, Packers, Adidas, Coca-Cola, Cisco, the FBI, Edward Jones. There's healthcare, school systems, and police departments. It is such an amazing event across the board for the players and students. It all culminates with the game on Saturday. At practice this week, I was able to catch up with two NFL Network analysts, Bucky Brooks and Charles Davis. Both were in attendance all week for network coverage before they head to Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. Both Bucky and Charles will be on the call for the game Saturday. Here's Bucky Brooks, former NFL player and scout, current analyst for NFL Media and Fox Sports. Bucky, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast. I've seen you out here at the HBCU Bowl practices. When you come to events like this, what are you looking for? So the first thing that you're looking for is do people belong? Uh, these All-Star Games are a great opportunity to see the best of the best match up against each other. When you normally see these guys in their environment, they've dominated the competition. So now you have an opportunity to see them play against similarly graded guys. You want to see which guys step up, which guys fall back. Uh, that's what's great about attending the HBCU Legacy Bowl is you, you see them in an environment, a competitive environment, in front of NFL scouts. And so normally you get to see them at their best. So are you out here not only watching the players but talking to scouts and some of the coaches here to, to get a better idea of who some of these players are? Yeah, because so many of these guys have flown under the radar that you are trying to talk to scouts about who are the ones to watch, who are the ones who have a legitimate chance of really helping themselves with their performance. And then with the players, you're trying to get a better feel for who they are. When you're at a school or you're watching them on TV or watching them on tape, you don't really have a sense of, like, the football character part of it. Well, now you get a chance to see what that football character is, meaning how hard they work, how much they care about the game, how they're able to take information from the board and put it to play, to work for them on the field, all of those things. So that's why it's really important to watch them up close and personal. There have been some names that came out after the combine, just some good performances from some of the players. But who have you noticed as far as practices, players that have stood out? Well, it starts with the quarterbacks. And so when you think about Jeremy Musa from Florida A&M, uh, Davius Richard from NC Central, those two guys stand out immediately. And then Jarvian Howard, the running back from Alcorn State, he was really impressive at the combine. He's continued to be impressive 
throughout the time. And then there are a handful of guys that you want to see as they kind of put the pads on and they get into the game that can work out. But it always starts out with the quarterbacks because both of those quarterbacks were highly regarded coming in, and they've been nothing short of impressive since they've been here. What kind of opportunity is it for some of these players that you might not watch HBCU games every Saturday? You know, there's a lot of other football going on, but for them to be highlighted for an entire week and then on the national stage on NFL Network on Saturday? Well, it's a big opportunity, and it's one of the things the NFL has been very intentional about increasing the exposure of HBCU players and programs. This event, which is in its third year in existence, has done a really good job of creating opportunities for these guys to get seen. And then playing on a national TV game, having all the fanfare and stuff around it, it's been an outstanding kind of launching pad for these players. Uh, I think as the league continues to kind of throw their muscle behind it and as these players get comfortable in these environments, I think we'll see more of these players use this game as a start to an NFL career. Kind of speaking to that, we were talking yesterday at this first practice, just how much more crisp it looked. The players looked like they were ready. They're kind of taking a different approach to it. Is that going to continue to happen just as there are more years of this game and they kind of are talking more to other players at their, their, at their school? I think, I think it's, a, it's a situation where the exposure being on TV. And so in the past, these practices have been on TV. Guys have had an opportunity to see what it is. And so it's not a mystery what's going to happen when they come and, and participate. So I think we saw a group that was better prepared, a group that was in better condition. They were in shape. They were ready. And so even though some of their seasons ended in November, they came to this game ready to play, and that gives them a chance. And then the, the talent is better. Like, as we get through some of the COVID stuff and as we kind of, like, see the talent kind of filter out, we're seeing, I, I think, a better product. We're seeing better players kind of show up. And so that's been the most impressive part of what we've seen of late. This crew is probably the best crew of players that we've had at this game. It's not only what they're able to do here at the games on the field, but there's the career fair and other opportunities for not only these student-athletes, but other students to set themselves up for the future. How big of an event is that to be able to have in tandem with this? Oh, I think it's great. I think it's great because no matter how long you play, like the average NFL career is three and a half, four years. So at some point you're going to have to move on uh, to civilian life and have an opportunity to talk to all the companies that are in attendance at the career fair to begin to think about the, the second career while you're embarking on the first career. Uh, I think it's outstanding. It also is great for all of the students that are able to come and take advantage of the career fair and see um, real internships and job opportunities presented in front of them. It's great. They've done a really good job of making this, um, I would say, a very comprehensive event, one that the players, the student athletes benefit from not only the things that take place on the field, but away from the field. You're going to be at the career fair, so are you somebody that's going to talk about your career? Do they pick you for that? They should pick me for that. They should <laughs> allow me to talk about all of the many jobs. But having done it in the past, it's great. And I'm just amazed when I walk through there, just the job opportunities that are available, those things. And, like, I can say that the young me, the immature me, wasn't fully ready for all of the stuff that takes place when the career ends. Uh, these guys should have an opportunity to take advantage of their platform, leverage the, the, their playing days to kind of give them a chance to really be set up well for their second careers. From here in New Orleans, you go back to Indianapolis for the Combine. What kind of event is that for people that haven't ever been? Uh, man, it's, it's, it's a fantastic event. Like We've made it a TV show at NFL Network where we put all this stuff on. But for the players, it's look, the biggest interview that they'll have in their football journey. 
they'll have an opportunity to work out in front of all 32 teams, the head coaches, the general managers, the scouts. They have a chance to interview with them and talk to them and kind of sell themselves in that. And they'll also have an opportunity to learn more about the league and what it takes. The NFLPA will be there to kind of enlighten them on what it's like to be an NFL player. And then it comes down to the workouts. They've been training. They've been working for these moments. People talk about the 40-yard dash being the dash for the cash. They have all those things. And so it's, it's just, for me, it's great to see a bunch of guys kind of continue to pursue their NFL dreams. Um, and, look, I'm excited to just kind of see how those guys perform. What's your favorite event or favorite position group to watch? Well, the favorite position group to watch would, would probably be the anywhere from the wide receivers to the DBs because that's where the fast ones go. It becomes more like a track meet when you see those guys run the 40. The 40-yard dash is everything because we just are enamored with speed. The evaluator in me just loves to see how these guys run. And you want to see them follow it up with the position drills, but the 40 is everything. Just being able to see some of these guys run 4-4, sub 4-4, put together kind of like world-class times, it just kind of shows the kind of talent that the NFL is bringing in. I think it was yesterday at practice you looked at somebody and said, that guy ran track. Is it just by like the build? Oh, you can tell by the warmest. Now, I don't know how good of a track guy he is, but, you know, when they're, they're warming up and you see him doing the A skips and the B skips. And most of the guys, particularly in the National Football League, a lot of those guys are multi-sport stars. And so the, the benefit of those guys not specializing early, we get a chance to see them utilize some of the skills that they learned in other sports. We see how it helps them in the NFL game. So I'm excited to see some of these track stars, some of these baseball players and wrestlers and all that other stuff do their thing. How much do the interviews weigh when you are scouting, evaluating players? It's significant because when you think about the interactions that scout have, scouts have with players, they have when they make their school visit in the fall, they normally can't talk to the players, or if they, are, they do talk to them, it's a very brief interaction. You then have the combine where you get 15 minutes to talk to them if they're one of your, like, 60 interviews. And then you go to the pro day workout, and you have a chance to be with them for 24 hours, and maybe you take them to dinner the day before. So we talk about it. We talk about making million-dollar decisions with less than 24 hours of real interactions and engagement. So you have to figure out a lot in those interviews. And so you got to kind of poke and prod and see who they are. You have to ask a lot of questions from those who grew up around them and know them best. But those interviews really are significant because it's the only time that you really get to sit and really talk to them and engage with them. I think there are two HBCU players that were actually invited to the formal combine in Indy. How big of a a step is that for them coming from that background? Uh, It's a huge step in in the right direction. Uh, You talk about the exposure and trying to elevate the HBCU platform, the amount of players that come into the league. Well, having guys go to the the big combine, having a chance for them to work out in front of the scouts and those things, having a chance for us to talk about them representing HBCUs is only going to allow us to talk about more guys. And if they perform well and kind of lead the NFL back to those waters and lead them back to visiting those schools and checking out the talent that's there. Yeah, why is that important? Uh, it's just important because it's such a rich tradition and legacy of HBCUs uh, producing outstanding talent. You think about the great players that played back in the day from the Walter Payton and Mel Blunts and I mean we have Leslie Frazier and Doug Williams and Shaq Harris and the, just the legacy of those guys that have played well at HBCUs and had tremendous um, NFL careers. I didn't even mention like Jerry Rice and some of the other legends that have done it. So it, it's just 
great to see that and to get back to that because I think people have to understand at one point the only place that players were coming from in the National Football League, black players were coming from HBCUs, and so you want to make sure you uphold a tradition. Mm-hmm. Got to talk about the Saints. It is the Saints podcast. That's right. A lot of changes going to be in store for this team, especially obviously starting with the offensive coaching staff. How do you think that's going to change things for them going forward? Well, Clint Kubiak is going to come and run a, a version or a variation of the, the Shanahan offense. And we talked about the Shanahan offense, the one that Mike Shanahan created. Uh, Gary Kubiak, Clint's dad, was a big part of that as a player, as an offensive coordinator, and those things then as a head coach doing his own thing. So this would be an offense that should make the game very easy for the quarterback because it's built around the running game and it's a bit around compliments to the running game. And so when you look at the personnel that the Saints have, and you know, regardless of whether Alvin Kamara is there or not, being able to run the football, being able to pull it back door out the back, throw it to a talented collection of receivers and playmakers, you should see a more balanced, more efficient, and more explosive offense with a change in the scheme. Yeah, I know he's not technically a tight end because he likes to be called a quarterback with Taysom Hill, but you look at the way that the 49ers have utilized their tight ends. You have Juwan Johnson with the Saints. How much do you think they're going to lean into that position group and maybe some of the things that Taysom Hill does? Well, look, Taysom Hill is a, a terrific player. He does it a bunch of different ways. He's he's kind of been a utility man since he entered the league, and we've seen him utilize him as kind of like the Wildcat quarterback. But if he becomes a four-time tight end and he works over the middle of the field, he can create problems. And you just talk about what they have. You're going to see more in-breaking routes, more routes that – uh, the ball will be caught inside the numbers. They want to ta- attack the soft area of the field using play action to lure the linebackers up and then hit those intermediate boys at 15 to 20 yards behind it. Well, Taysom Hill and others are going to have opportunities to make big plays. And that's where the big plays will come. The big plays will come from not Derek Carr tossing the ball over the top of the defense, but these guys catching the ball on the move and making guys miss and breaking tackles and, and having big plays in that regard. Yeah, they kind of steadily move down the field in a Shanahan-type offense, but you still have guys like Rashid Shahid who mm-hmm. can break for a big play. How do you make sure he doesn't get lost in the mix? Well, I think what you do is, you know, and this is the job of Kubiak. Kubiak has to look at the talent that he has around him and figure out how can I put the ball in the hands of the best playmakers. This game is really not about the X's and O's. It's more about the Jimmys and Joes. And when you have a talented uh, collection of players, you want to make sure they touch the ball enough to impact the game. And so when you're setting the pecking order, you're doing the evaluations on film and in the offseason, who deserves to touch the ball? How many touches should we give them? And then you, you count on Derek Carr to make sure, hey, the ball needs to get into the hands of the right playmakers. We talked a lot about the offense, but defense you, do you kind of just want more of the same, or do you think there are areas still that they need to improve? Well, it's always areas to improve, and this is a veteran defense, an older defense, so you want to have some fill-ins and guys ready to play. How much longer can their veterans play at a high level? That remains to be seen. But the job of the coach and the general manager is to make sure that you have guys ready to play. And as they're transitioning, meaning they're, they're kind of retooling the team so they can be a viable contender for the long haul, you got to be able to do that with the draft. you got to have young guys that can come in and play and play well, can learn behind the veterans, understand the culture, and then perform when they get their chances. Well, it all starts right now because we one combine to the next and then the draft. So, I mean, the new season's upon us. That's right. New season's upon us. we got Super Bowl 58 to bed. we got the Super Bowl in New Orleans. Really excited about that. Saw the new logo, like never been done before. New Orleans has its own logo. So it should be fun. You like being in New Orleans? 
Uh, yeah, I'm, it's, it's growing on me. It's growing <laughs> on me. It's growing on me. I'm learning to love the city. It's a fun place, and we appreciate you taking the time here this week to join us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the time from Bucky and now Charles Davis, who calls NFL games for CBS and contributes to NFL Network coverage. Charles, this is the second year that they've had this game here in New Orleans. You've been here a couple times now. What have you noticed that's been different about the HBCU Bowl Week this week? I just think people are more comfortable in what they're doing. In, in so many ways, you know, knowing the lay of the land, knowing the right people to go to, and an ease of a program, a schedule that works, you know? Mm-hmm. And you know how it is. Once you, you know, All of us have a routine, a process, but we have to get to it trial and error and all that and I just think now it, it kind of works I'm not gonna say it's clockwork but everybody knows how it's supposed to look how it's supposed to feel and we're seeing the effects of it oh I've been seeing you out there on the field <laughs> watching the players what yeah. are you looking for when you're out there I'm trying to learn these young men I mean because when you put together a season boy this sounds bad right I shouldn't say it this way but it's true all right I'm in the NFL world 99% of the time when I get a spare moment, I'm watching a college game. It's usually a power football conference mm-hmm. game, that sort of a deal. I get snatches of small college, things of that nature, but I can't keep up the way I really should. So this entire week, I come to all the practices. I get to learn who these young men are, where they went to school, some of their records, accomplishments, other things that go along with it, so that come Saturday, I can do the best job possible for them. I feel like I, I, I owe it to them. They, owe, they, they need my respect for this game. Because let's be honest about it, the vast majority of them, this is it. This last game they're going to play. Yeah, a lot of people are just like you. They don't watch a lot of these HBCU games throughout the season. So how big is this week for them and the exposure that they're going to get? I think it's huge in so many different ways. Again, the NFL scouts are here, so those who have that opportunity are going to show out for that. Job fairs here. Those will take good advantage of that who have put together the nice record from school and have other aspirations without the helmet. That's an opportunity there. But just this is the last time probably you're going to do something that you've loved for most of your life. You want to do it well and do it right, and you get a chance to do it on national television. Not a bad way to go out. No. I would have, I would have taken that. Yeah, not at all. Someone I was just talking to Davis Richard, the quarterback yeah. here for Team Gaither, and he said this could be the last game that I play in my career on yeah. Saturday. What is a moment like that like? It's a tough moment because you're living in two worlds now. Because you know it might be the last game you play, but you can't approach it with the whole idea that that's the only thing on your mind because then you won't play as well as you want to. You want to go out and play to the best of your ability, the top-level play you've ever given, and then deal with it afterwards. But it's hard because you know it's out there looming. Is this the last one? And you kind of want to take it all in, you know, everything you wanted to imprint on yourself. But also at the same time, if you do that all the time, you won't be ready to go. So you're walking again in two worlds for it, trying to merge them. He's somebody that I have heard a lot about this week. Yeah. Who are some of the other players that are standing out to you? Well, I think that Howard running back out of Alcorn, I think he's been sensational in his college career. I've enjoyed watching him play. Uh, Jordan Tolles, a defensive back out of Morgan State, is making an impression on me out here. I think his name is Brandon, Cod- uh, Brandon Codrington, mm-hmm. a cornerback, kick returner. I think he's been a really nice player. Taman Cook is a great kick returner that, that's here. Those are some guys I'm kind of singling out, but I'm also discovering more. There's a tight, there's a uh, offensive tackle named Tyreek Stewart from North Carolina NTA, I believe. I want to make sure I get that one correct. 
Yes, A and T. Yeah, his been, coach was just telling me he's been he's sensational insane, here. Yeah. He has been really, really good. And another offensive lineman that's been really good has been Aiden Hempel from Texas Southern. Okay. So I could go through all the position, bore the heck out of you. But we're starting to get there. People emerging, guys playing well, and again putting their best foot forward. And for some of them, it won't be the last game that they play. They'll yeah. get an opportunity to go on and do it. Well, last year there were two yep. that were drafted from. The HBCU Bowl. Yeah. I know they were talking about. Obviously, they want more each course, year, but just being able to have a couple is—it's got to be huge for some of these guys to look at that. Yeah, drafted and get an opportunity, chance to go to camp. You know, whether you're just going to a rookie camp or you're going to the main camp or what have you. Um, Emmanuel Wilson, the running back out Fort Valley State, undrafted, signed with Denver, cut, hooks on with Green Bay. I'm watching him play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He played here last year. So those are the stories you're looking for. Whether you get drafted or not, you're just seeking opportunity. Why is it important for you to come be a part of this? Heritage, legacy. It's called the Legacy Bowl. When I say heritage and legacy, my father was a HBCU quarterback, a place called Bluefield State in West Virginia, when it was a historically black college and university. It integrated in the 70s, dropped football. And just brought it back a few years ago. But my dad's from the state of West Virginia. The time he was coming through as a quarterback, he wasn't going to be recruited to West Virginia University to be a quarterback. He was still going to segregated schools. He taught in segregated schools. All right, and then went and you know when things in- integrated, he taught and coached there. But just the idea that I can honor him and other members of my family who have gone to HBCUs, participated whether they played ball or not, it's a pretty neat deal for me. You know, I came along with a chance with more opportunity, open place. I could go wherever I wanted to go. They didn't have those choices, and they made the most of what they got, and what they got was considerable from their HBCU. So pretty cool. Yeah, it's been fun to see this event grow and just the eyes that are on it now, the people that are talking about it. But next week, we are leading up to the Combine in Indy. It's going to be a big event. I know you go there all the time as well. But what do you like about the Combine? I think it just boils down a lot of what we've been discussing and waiting for along the way. You know, it's going to be 321 guys that are there mm-hmm. participating. Some of them won't be able to say due to injury, but they'll do their testing and get their medical check and all that. And that's when the rumor mill really kicks into high gear. I hear this guy interviewed really well. Someone will say the same. I heard he was, it was a terrible interview. <laughs> you know, and it just goes round and round. And you trying to find out the truth as you understand it and know it. Does it confirm what you thought about a player? I thought he was really fast. Oh, his 40 time was really slow. Does he hurt? Did something go wrong? Will he have a pro day to clean it up? It just goes on and on and on. So a lot of it is confirmation, and a lot of it is extra work because now you have questions that come back at you. But the whole idea of everyone there on one stage doing the same things, apples to apples in terms of comparison at every position, mm-hmm. that's, where, that's where it starts to really become fun. It's not football. I'm a guy that loves regular football. I know a lot of people, oh, the combine, the draft. I could leave both of those behind. You give me a regular football season, that's what I'm talking about. But this is part of what I do, part of the job, part of the whole evaluation, and part of the learning process, too. Well, with the season coming up next year, it's going to look very different for the Saints, especially on the offensive side. What have you thought about some of the changes and what do you expect maybe from the team next year? I just think for Dennis Allen as a head coach, this is what you go through, you know? Things don't go the way you want to. You have to make hard decisions. You have to make some changes to fit the personnel that you have, to fit your your ideas of what you want from your football team, mm-hmm. to know your team well enough to know this is where we're trying to get to. And it's never easy. You know, to be a head coach, everybody's, oh, so great to be the head coach. It is 
but it isn't at the same time. But I like where they're headed. I mean, this is a great organization. They've always managed to figure things out. Mickey Loomis is the GM. Fixture. Really good drafting record. They do a great job with that. They do a nice job in free agency. And they have some difficult decisions to make, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the cap the cap never stops in the NFL. What if this guy has to go, and now can this other guy step up? Are we going to go here? Tough one for them all. But if I one thing I know about the Saints, they figure it out. Well, I hope that is true. <laughs> we're looking forward to the season next year, and it kind of it starts right now as we're starting to look at some of the players and figure out who the next players are going to be on each of these teams. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, and you're exactly right. The season has begun, hasn't it? Yes. <laughs> Always great talking to Charles. He said he was really upset that he didn't get a Saints game this past season, and he is really hoping that he gets one this upcoming year. Don't forget to check out all of our HBCU Legacy Bowl coverage on NewOrleansSaints.com and tune in Saturday, 3 o'clock NFL Network for the game, or heck, just come out to Yeoman Stadium yourself. See some of the best talent in the HBCUs. It's so much fun. It is a great event. It was an awesome game last year. The environment is a lot of fun, so you definitely don't want to miss it, whether you can get there in person or catch it on TV. That is it for this week. Again, head to our website. We'll have you covered there. Next week, we will be in Indy for the NFL Combine. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast.